By the time you hear this podcast, you'll wonder if you're nasty enough to call her Miss Jackson. The Control album was really special because it was a turning point in our lives and certainly a turning point in, in Janet's life. We knew that we could do something with her that probably no one else could do because we were fans of her. She had done two albums before where she had no creative input into the records. Uh, she just basically sang the songs. One thing that we've always done, and I, we still do it to this day, is that we try to take music and tailor it to the individual. I remember the first like four or five days we didn't even go in the studio and she said, when are we gonna start working? And I said, we already are working. She was like a young woman trying to find her way in life. We learned things about her and we incorporated those things into the music. And then we showed her the lyrics to Control and she said, oh wait, this is what we've been talking about. And we said, yeah. And she said, okay, so whatever we talk about, that's what we're gonna write about. Yes. Now you have an engaged artist. What comes from the heart reaches the heart. And I think we connected all those dots. No matter what we brought, she was like, okay, I'll give it a try. There's something very cool about that creatively because it takes the boundaries off of what you're gonna do. You just create. With us being like a sole producer on the album, it gave a continuity to the album that it didn't ordinarily have for her. She just gets songs no one ever, ever spent any time with her and ever tailored the, the suit for. It turned out to be very influential on, on the records that came um, after it. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And we are finally back with another episode. I know it's been a while. We shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step two. Step two. Step two. So, uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't beatbox. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> so we're, we're back with another episode. Thank you to everyone who still follow, follows us on uh, our social medias. That should be everybody, man. Who's leaving? Yeah. Who's leaving? What's going on? What's up with that? Yeah, download the app. There's an app that'll tell you who unfollows you. <laughs> I was like, that's like the most stalkery ex-boyfriend <laughs> app ever. And uh, we're doing a little bit of multitasking. Uh, we're doing this on the evening of the conference championships. Uh, we already know this, the, the Rams have beaten the Saints. FTS. <laughs> so uh we have avoided uh, a potentially a potentially dangerous public safety issue yeah. with any Saints fans coming to Atlanta for the Super Bowl. That could have been bad, especially with the government shut down. Yeah. You know, will the national would the National Guard come if they were needed? <laughs> would the National Guard be paid? Because well, if, if they get paid, they ain't coming either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because we would need them. We would definitely need them in Atlanta. But not anymore. But not yeah, not, not anymore. anymore. Not anymore. So uh, congratulations to the L.A. Rams, their first Super Bowl appearance since. Uh, they were in Atlanta. <laughs> well, that, that was the last time they won. Yeah. The last time they were in it, the Patriots beat them. Which which year was that? 2001. That was the first That was the first, first Super Tom Bowl Brady? already. Off the Adam Vinatieri kick, right? Yeah. Ah. In which they kicked the ball with like eight seconds left. And the clock ran out. Yeah. The ball went through with four seconds. Like they just ran off those four seconds. Yeah. Like, nah, the Rams ain't gonna do They're that. They're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Miracles over. Uh so as of right now, uh we're recording and I'm looking on my phone. Uh the Patriots lead 24-21, under three minutes left. And uh did they call a did they call a penalty on that? Mahomes went deep to Tyreek Hill, of course. Coffee, um, Coffee County's finest. <laughs> oh, it was almost picked off. Oh, it was incomplete. But uh, I'll keep you updated on on what happens there. We're, we're looking at it as it happens live. Oh, Sammy Watkins 
He's to the 15, to the 10, cuts back. He's at the two-yard line. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Um, For those of you who don't know, too, Coffee County is Douglas, Georgia. Yeah. That Isn't is that where, the land that time forgot? Yeah, that's, well, one that's of what them. I call yes. it. <laughs> that's where my father is from. I still have family down there. Um, yeah, Tyreek Hill is from Douglas, Georgia. <laughs> and I'm not surprised. I don't know if you've ever heard him before. Yeah, but yeah, you can tell he's from Douglas. So um, for anyone who needs to just to be reminded, um, by the time you hear this podcast can be found, uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, by the time you hear this, spell with the word you. That's also our website, by the time you hear this.com. We are also on Instagram at by the time you hear this, and the Chiefs just scored. Uh, <laughs> by the time you hear this, spell with the letter U on Instagram because we're urban. Yes, we are. And that is also the same spelling for our email address by the time you hear this at gmail.com, where you can send us your comments, questions, concerns, show ideas. And if you're an independent artist, We'll play your music for absolutely free. And also, if you want to avoid the annoying co-worker, uh, uh, that Saints fan who is just going to be miserable <laughs> on your next work day <laughs> and wants to talk to you about the game and you don't want to hear it because you're a Falcons fan and you're glad that they lost. Oh, I'm going to see them people. I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Even though the Saints still do have that one Super Like, when they went to the Super Bowl, they won. They didn't choke. <laughs> <laughs> But, hey, everyone treats the NFL like a year-to-year league. Whatever happened last year or two years before, mm-hmm. it don't matter. What happened this year? Oh, y'all ain't win? Yeah, we ain't win either. I Man, know. But y'all matter. ain't win. That's what we wanted. <laughs> we wanted y'all to win even less. Yes. <laughs> so um, you can listen to our podcast. If you have an iPhone, we're on the Apple Podcast app. If you have an Android, we're on the Google Music app. You can also listen to us on uh, TuneIn Radio, uh, Overcast, Auto Radio, Castbox, Play.fm, Satchel Podcast Player, and any other aggregate podcast app. And if you want to look for podcasts based on subject matter, you can find us over on listennotes.com. On our last episode, we had the uh, Becauses, <laughs> uh, but we have previously talked about songwriters such as uh, Diane Warren, uh, Jamie Jam and Terry Lewis, uh, Trevor Horn. Um, Teddy Riley. We talked about albums like Fleetwood Max Rumors, Michael Jackson's. Did we talk about Bad? Yeah, we talked about Bad. Bad and Dangerous. Yes. And uh, we've also talked about the um, uh, the New Edition story, the yeah. Bobby Brown story. And the New Edition story, yeah. So uh, different topics like that you can search and uh, then you can find our podcast. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, it's been a while. I know this we're doing this a couple of weeks after the uh, the nuclear bomb that was the Surviving R. Kelly documentary. I could not escape that. <laughs> it was yeah, everywhere. It, it was hard to avoid. It was um, everywhere. I don't know if we're going to even do an episode about that documentary because we have done an episode about an R. Kelly documentary with a similar uh, similar information, yeah. Uh, produced the by the BBC, beat, yeah. BBC beat Lifetime um, by about uh, eight months, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, or maybe it might have been more than that, but yeah. we we do have an episode. Um, it's called uh, "When You Say Teenage." <laughs> what dot, do you mean? dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> so but yet it took the Lifetime documentary for people to think. I mean, I guess the difference was wrong. they talked to the women, yeah. 
they talked to, you know, in the BBC documentary, they only talked to one. And they talked to the, a the narrative was the narrative's trying to get one out of the house. Yeah. And he, he's a terrible lawyer. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he's a terrible lawyer. Yeah. But um, that was more the narrative with that documentary. With this one, it was more focused on the victims, which is understandable. But mm -hmm. still, from having seen the other documentary, I didn't really learn anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, not anything that would have like changed my mind or given me a new perspective. Like this is stuff that, okay, I'm not surprised that he did any of that stuff because it was really, uh, I don't know if it, the word is implied or inferred, but with the other documentary, it's kind of stuff that we kind of figure was already going on. Yeah. Yeah. None of it, none of it, like you said, none of it surprising. Um, and even before, I feel like that while the documentary that we watched shed some light on some stuff, even then, it wasn't really surprising that that's what was going on. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, how they say serial killers start out by harming animals. You know, <laughs> like marrying Aaliyah was harming animals. Then he got bold and moved on to other things and talking to chicks in high school. And, yeah, it was. Yeah. And that was kind of when I when I said, um, I don't think it was that same episode, but when we, it was the episode where we talked about Straight Outta Compton with Eric. And we were talking about R. Kelly then. And I said, I think he messed up with Aaliyah and then he just like got better at whatever yeah, that was whatever was supposed up. to be going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or he was chasing a ghost. <laughs> it's it's one of it's one of those. Like it's not there's really no in between. He had the whole city behind him too, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the whole city of Chicago is complicit. Uh he had a lot of help, yeah. uh, especially a man who can't read. <laughs> Even though I know that every time I hear it, I think like, it's that still I know like it. weird because like yeah. he's a he's a songwriter, but he actually can't read. Yeah, and the Patriots are driving down the field. Yeah, coming up on a minute left. Uh, oh, they're at they're inside the thirty five right now, yeah. so uh, they they have time. They have all their timeouts too. Yeah, but so um, but he has been dropped by Sony. Yeah. Um. This happened just a couple of days ago, so we're we're not too far behind. But the um, uh, this was reported by this article comes from Esquire, and it said that um, after years of pressure peaked with the much-awaited debut of Lifetime surviving R. Kelly docu series, Sony subsidiary RCA Records finally dropped the singer from its roster. Billboard reported Friday that Kelly and the label agreed to part ways. After a week that found hashtag mute R. Kelly protesters demonstrating outside of Sony's Manhattan offices, radio stations banning his songs, and former collaborators apologizing for working with him. Yeah, that was that was one of the things that shocked me the most when you start hearing people coming out and like I, and not even necessarily saying I didn't know. You know what like, was it yeah. like? Lady Gaga trying to secure that Oscar nomination. Yeah, she had so, a thorough yeah apology about that. Yeah. She yeah. she trying she trying to win that Oscar right the star now. Star is born. Yeah, she's really trying hard. <laughs> uh, Chance the rapper has apologized. Uh, Celine Dion has removed her uh, her duet with R. Kelly um, from streaming services, I believe. Uh, I'm your angel. Yeah, yeah, I feel like there's somebody else out there. Um, well, actually, you know what? I'm gonna check because a lot of people had something to say about this person when the documentary came out. Mm -hmm. um, and that is Sparkle. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, Sparkle's album is still very clearly on the streaming services, <laughs> including her most known single, Be Careful. I love that song. 
I just I like written by R. Kelly. Kelly. Yeah, someone someone I work with tried to say that um tried to basically blame Sparkle for her involvement in it. And I'm like, no, you you I think Sparkle the, Sparkle was kind of I don't mean this to be insulting, mm-hmm. but she was kind of dumb. <laughs> How old was she when you started working with her? She had, she was in her twenties. Okay. Not so, not anything that like oh she's too old or whatever nothing like yeah. that. But I what I mean is, she had an idea. Of what might have been going on, mm. and she still brought her niece around. Yeah, and that's one of the believing. Things, yeah, he wouldn't do that to my family. He don't care about your family. Nope. He care about anybody's family. No. Clearly. So, and, and well, he still doesn't. <laughs> so I think that's where she got. Okay, I don't want to. Uh, dumb might be too strong. You think that's too strong? Ill, well, you can't say ill informed if she had an idea what's going on. So I mean, you know, bad judgment. Yeah, we'll say bad she had ju- bad judgment, judgment. Yeah, but she has spent the last almost twenty years trying to make it right, mm. and. At least she's trying to do that. That's what I would give her credit for. Yeah. She's trying to do right by her family. Um, But, I mean, what else can you do to rectify this mistake? What else can she do? She's doing, I mean, she's doing all she can, I feel like. Yeah. So, uh, I think if her family forgives her, then I think that's that's all all that that matters. matters. Yeah. But as far as, like, her career... I know people are going to feel some type of way. Some people felt some type of way when the docuseries uh, in credits had one of her songs. So <laughs> yikes! <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, and it just reminded me of the like the the Michelle Lifetime movie mm. ended with a new Michelle song. Oh God! Which is kind of weird, but um, but yeah, I as far as the the docuseries goes, and as done. Oh, I'm sorry. I I I was I interjected for you. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> interception. <laughs> oh, it, it, it hasn't gotten to that yet. Oh my. Oh, it hasn't. Okay, well, I'm about to see it then. Oh, you're behind. Okay. Um, uh, because the the last they were they they were still doing. They took a long time on that review. Yeah, they did. But it was it ruled incomplete. So it's third we were, down. I thought our stream was the same. <laughs> it looks like this interception's coming. Uh, I am looking forward to a a Chiefs Rams rematch. I would like to see that as well. The Patriots have all their timeouts, though. Oh, oh, wait. Mm-hmm. Did did they rule that he caught that though? I'm I'm being quiet because you're behind. Okay, so I'm, and I'm that's what they gotta look because because yeah. he he caught it, but then it looked like it popped out of his hands, and there's a flag. So, but anyway, we'll we'll uh, okay. I guess just go with my stream because it's behind. <laughs> Don't spoil it for me. I, I I'll <laughs> okay. try to. I'll limit the outbursts. All right. So, um, so as far as R. Kelly goes. Uh, I mean, it's not surprising that he got dropped. Well, I guess the the weird thing is that it took this long. That's because it seems like either you would have done it not when this docu documentary came out, but with the trial, maybe mm-hmm. you would have dropped him then. Yeah, if you didn't drop him then, why are you dropping? You're him? not gonna you're not yeah. gonna ever drop him. I mean, it's not something that they necessarily had to do. Yeah. But we're in an age where I know people like to bring up the Me Too movement, but it's just with this is what we know about now. Yeah. This is what people are paying attention to right now. And it's kind of it's a little bit of selective outrage, but it's selective because this movie came out like you're listening to what the um, OK, that was ruled. In, OK, it was a flag. And now they're inside. 
the five. Yeah, I think it's over. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna score. They're, they might score. Okay, so it was almost over. It was almost <laughs> over, but then Gronk uh, has a, a flash of what makes him great. But anyway, um, man, if Aaron Hernandez was still there, <laughs> if he hadn't murdered somebody, <sighs> but, they would have won like four Super Bowls. Yeah, they would have been unstoppable. Like after the three he already had. Yeah, four more. Yeah, they would have been unstoppable. <laughs> But, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like I'm. Uh, I guess it's just it's it's kind of weird timing that they did it. Like, oh, you you just finding out all this stuff too. Well, I mean, that, it's, it, it was kind of yeah. like this like wide open secret. Yeah. It, well, it I likened it to the Ray Rice tape. Like, there yeah. people knew about it. It was beforehand. a two game suspension, and now it's suspend, submit, yeah. suspended indefinitely, and he's never going to play again. Yeah. It turned into something much bigger once we saw him punch her. This is this is the equivalent of us seeing R. Kelly punch the victims. Now it's like, oh damn! Now we gotta act. Now we have to do something, um, especially because now everyone's saying something. Yeah, that has ever worked with him from the beginning of time <laughs> is saying something. <laughs> we, you know, we look daft if we don't say something. So I almost kind of feel like maybe their hands were forced because you know, there's probably they're still making money off of R. Kelly. Well, they are. That that's what this article has said. Um, and the Patriots scored. Yeah, it's over. Uh, so anyway, um, the uh, the article says, while Sony dropping Kelly's a well-deserved in the face of a quarter century's worth of assault allegations, the singer hasn't exactly been turning out the hits for RCA in recent years. His last release was a Christmas album in 2016, and it peaked at number 177. Mm. Uh, the album before that, The Buffet, was his worst performing album ever. And um, although RCA won't be releasing his future music, Billboard noted that Sony is keeping a hold of Kelly's back catalog. So they're still going to make money off of him because people are still streaming his music. People are still buying his music, um, which was weird because I heard about the spike in streaming. Yeah. <laughs> And some people were like, well, I was going back to, you know, to listen to the lyrics. Okay. You could have watched it on YouTube. Yeah. Those those numbers don't count. I'm curious, though. <laughs> if, but uh, people who are buying the albums? Come on. If I'm being conspiracy here, I wonder if that means that R. Kelly will be dead in a few years because the, the, the record industry has chewed him up, spit him out. Then, you know, they make sure that he dies and it's, oh, it's tragic. And then, like, two years later when it's okay, oh, check out. R. Kelly, the lost tracks. <laughs> it's okay because he's dead. He's not here anymore. I guess the thing that I don't like is that people are treating this like, oh, well, it's like, you know, uh, a successful black man can't can't uh, go off into the sunset. Look what they did to Bill Cosby. And, like, it, Bill Cosby, did he sexually assault those women? Looks like it. Yeah, and if he did, then. Did R. Kelly <laughs> uh, sexually assault these underage girls? Looks, Looks like, like it. it. Yeah. So, is it did did the record industry make them do that? Nope. I don't think so. It's called accountability, people. <laughs> Gotta hold them accountable and yeah. and that's looks like that's what's happening. Especially right. if you want to, well, yeah, yeah, let's not, yeah, because we could go on further yeah. with this. <laughs> All right. So um moving on to um a, a very special announcement. Uh we are fans of Missy Elliott around here. Oh, and yeah. she is going to be the first female hip hop artist. Or the first female songwriter in general. I wasn't sure which one it was exactly, but she's going to be inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. I think she's the first female hip hop artist. Mm -hmm. 
And um, I think the last time we mentioned something like that, I think it was Jermaine Dupree who was getting in. Was it? I, I know I Nas think. got in there, didn't he? He was he was one of the first rappers. Yeah, oh, Jay Z. Jay Z. Yeah. 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 So um, again, I'm I'm glad that the uh, Songwriters Hall of Fame is is taking the is looking into hip hop as far as the songwriting and song crafting and producing and all of that. You know, as far as that going being in consideration for inducting. Um, any songwriters. Yeah, no, I, I think it's we're getting to that point now because and I, I would have to look into it to see what their criteria is. But I think we're getting into the 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 point where when hip hop and rap started really being taken seriously and you really had, you know, people that were considered, you know, good writers or, you know, whatever a good writer is considered, you know, in the minds of, you know, you know, the people that makes make these decisions. Um, we're getting to that point now to where we're probably going to start seeing this happen more. You know, Nas, Jay-Z, I think we're kind of just the beginning. And I think that was the signal, kind of herald signaling that, all right, now these artists that we feel in hip-hop that were important songwriters, we're going to start putting them in. Um, and I think we're, I think this is just the beginning. I think we'll start to see more. Um, will we see ever see someone like a Soldier Boy? <laughs> I can't say that'd be interesting, but Soldier Boy, <laughs> Drake, 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 <laughs> from Degeneres. <laughs> if you have not seen this video, people, go watch it. It's he was on the Breakfast Club and he just was incredulous. It's it's kind of weird to see that um, these that an artist who. He, he's in the news for something other than, than his music. Yeah. But it's not something bad. It's just something for uh, something other than his music. Yeah. Oh, they got to spike it. They got to spike it. And then, of course. Where there's a flag. Yeah. This is, oh, we're, really, we're big football fans, guys. I, I feel like this is going to be called back. Oh, yeah. And I forgot your stream's behind. Yeah. No, I'll, don't tell don't tell me anything. Don't not, give it away. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. I'm not going to do but anyway, congratulations to Missy Elliott while they're sorting this out. Yeah. Offsides, on the defense. Okay, now y'all got to get on the line now. <laughs> y'all got to have a play called. Let's go. But because they have no timeouts. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'd spike it, run one play. If you don't get it, field kick goal. the field goal. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I think. But anyway, um, moving on to uh, what's the record that Ariana Grande was breaking? So... Ariana Grande has claimed a major Spotify all-time record. She just released a song called Seven Rings. Haven't heard it yet, but if it's anything like what she's been doing lately, I imagine it's pretty good. Uh, kind of the controversy is because Soldier Boy thinks he created all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, he created the internet. I, I know he didn't mean it like right, that. But, <laughs> but the thing is, like, he, um, uh, his song Pretty Boy Swag, mm -hmm. Ariana Grande's song sounds like that. Oh, jeez. I had to check it out then. Um, if you want, we can play a little bit of it. Sure. So I'm going to pull up uh, her song, Seven Rings. And all right, this is her song. Tiff 
ashes and diamonds, ATM machines. Buy myself all of my favorite things. Been through some bad shit, I should be a savage. Who would have thought it turned me to a savage? Rather be tied up with calls and my strings. Write my own checks like I write what I sing. I hear it. You like my hair? She thinks just got it. Oh, I hear it. Oh, I didn't want to hear it. Okay, so this is a pretty boy swag by Soldier Boy. All the pretty girls stand up. All the pretty boys stand up. Pretty boys in the building. This right here is my sweat. Sweat. All the girls are on me. Damn. Everybody pay attention. This right here is my pretty boy sweat. So yeah, it's like a sped up verse. It's a little more sped up, but I I hear it. Hers is a little more sped up, but I I kind of hear the phrasing is. Is kind of spot on, yeah. Well, congratulations, anyway. Yeah, she's bigger than Soldier Boy. So. Gonna want his five percent though. <laughs> she's bigger, so maybe she can fight this. I saw this video where so was like kind of parried the whole thing. He's like, um, yeah, he's like the yeah, the whole world, the whole world owe me five percent. Like, what are you talking about? The whole world don't owe you all that. It's like, yeah, they do. Like, you know, what what, what are you saying right now? What you mean? What I'm saying, like, like the when you talk, like, what are you saying? Like words, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I created that. Oh my! <laughs> you gonna create words? Like yes, I, I yeah. I, you owe you owe me five percent. The whole world owe me five percent. You know what someone said? Um, the winner of the ten year challenge is his Gucci head. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't look be, for a while. I couldn't look beyond that. Like that is that thing's that that thing is struggled. Yeah, and we're going to overtime. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, biggest twenty four hour stream count in the history of Spotify. She has two songs on that. Um, so her previous song, "Thank You Next," the last single she released, um, was the fastest to one hundred million, mm. and is um, number number six on that list. Um, Seven Rings is now number one on that list. Is uh, at fourteen million nine hundred sixty six thousand. 544 streams in 24 hours. Um, she's huge. <laughs> she is she is big now. Um, the only other artist to have more than one song on this looks like it is Drake. And he has one, two, three, four songs on that list. Um, in My Feelings at number five with over nine million streams. Nonstop at number seven with over nine million streams. Survival at number nine with over eight million streams, and God's Plan with over eight million streams. Well, uh, well, um, and, and I don't think mm. she, I, th- I don't think this is going to stop. I don't think this will be her. No, best. when the when the well when the album comes oh, out, God, she I I'm already thinking she will probably um, be the most streamed artist on Spotify that week, maybe maybe even that month, because she has. This is technically the third single. After the, that's not on Sweetener. Mm-hmm. This is the third single that's come out. Yeah. So, if that's the third, the album's the album's coming. Yeah, she's gonna break. So when Spotify. that album's coming, yeah. And she will probably have at least three songs in the top ten. Will she be invited to be on SNL again? 
What did she do? Like, did she do something like? Oh, Pete Davidson. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what did she do? Yeah, Pete Davidson. That's what happened. Yeah. So we'll find out. Uh, let's look at the charts really quick. Uh, I know it's been a few weeks. Um, we didn't even do it on the last episode, so some things have changed. Uh, number one, the number one song in the country, and it's been number one uh, just this week. It was number three last week. Sunflower from the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack by Sirius Malone and Sway Lee. Uh, have you heard this song? I don't know. I think I have. <laughs> like, I know it's in the commercial, and I think I heard it in the commercial, and then I think I might have heard it randomly on TV, but I, 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 I don't know. All right. Anyway, uh, number two, Without Me by Halsey. Number three, uh, Thank You Next by the strongest and hardest working ponytail in the game. Soon to be the most successful ponytail in the game. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Sicko Mode by Travis Scott. It was number one during the time that we were not recording. Uh, Thank You Next had also been number one. And uh, Halsey's Without Me had been number one. So the top four so far have been number one at some point. Uh, number five, High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Have you heard this song? I have, song? I have not heard this song. Um, Do you think that it's Jack White buying the vinyl versions? Because I think that's what we talked about before. Yeah, we did talk about it. Probably. I mean, they're they're getting some shine right now, though. Um, Their album's pretty good, so I imagine this one's pretty good too. But um, I I, on vinyl though, who the hell's who's buying vinyl? Like hipsters. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, Happier by Marshmello and Bastille. Number seven, Girls Like You by Adam and the Levines, featuring love and hip hop legend Cardi B. Uh, They'll It'll be weird that with them performing this song at the Super Bowl and she's not there. Yeah. Well, she won't be performing in the show, but she is doing a show with Bruno Mars during the week, during okay. the week of the Super Bowl. In Atlanta? Here in Atlanta at State Farm. Dude, it's going to be <clears throat> crazy that week. Yeah. I'm just going to hide in my, my house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number eight, Drip Too Hard by Lil Baby and Gunna. Number nine, East Side by Billy Blanco featuring Halsey and Khalid. And number 10, ZZ by Kodak Black featuring Travis Scott and Offset. All right, let's go to the Billboard 200. The number one album is A Boogie with the Hoodie with Hoodie Season. They, uh, last week it was number two. So it's at number one this week. Number two, I am better than I was. Oh, I am better sign I was <laughs> or greater than greater than sign uh, by 21 Savage. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Nine plus 10 Savage. <laughs> It was number one last week. He's feeling himself, man. Okay. Number three, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse soundtrack. Uh, certainly helped by the song Sunflower. Number four, Championships by Meek Mill. Number five, Beer Bongs and Bentleys by Sirius Malone. Number six, Astro World by Travis Scott. Number seven, A Star is Born soundtrack. Number eight, Scorpion by the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number nine, Dying to Live by Kodak Black. And number 10, Greatest Hits 1, 2, and 3, The Platinum Collection by Queen. And I feel like that was helped because uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won the Golden Globe for Best Picture. And and, won, and uh, uh, Rami, Malek. Rami Malek won mm-hmm. Best Actor. Um, A year later, look what's just yeah, outside look what's, of the top 10. It's, 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 it's making a comeback. Number 11, just outside the top 10, The Greatest Showman Soundtrack. 
and it's trending down, which means it was in the top ten, it was last, week. Top 10 last week. <laughs> what the? <laughs> and the um, the I just wanted to bring up real quick before we go to the artist one hundred uh, for the Golden Globes. The uh, best original song went to Shallow from A Star Is Born. So that is Lady Gaga, Mark Ronson, Anthony Rosamondo, and Andrew Wyatt. So Lady Gaga is going to get. She's. They're probably going to win the Oscar, mm-hmm. even though I I I want Kendrick Lamar and SZA <laughs> to win so bad, but I feel like Shallow is going to win the Academy Award. Uh, so I think Lady Gaga is just, you know, doing the right PR stuff to oh, ensure yeah. that uh, she gets that nomination and she gets that win. Both are good songs. So Cause she's I, probably going to be nominated for Best Actress, too. I would hate to have to choose between those two songs. They're both very good songs. But I think listening to Shallow, I think it's more of a just more of a traditional type song. Like it almost sounds like it could be nominated for Song of the Year. Like at the Grammys, it's one of those type of songs, you know, so. We'll see. It's, it's going to be hard to choose between those two songs. Okay, so for the game, uh, yeah, the Patriots still have the ball. Anyway, <clears throat> Artist 100. Number one, Sirius Malone. Do you take him seriously? I don't know. He's doing, you know, soundtracks, and but he still ain't bathing, so no. I guess not. No. <laughs> <laughs> he still looks dirty. Number two, the strongest ponytail and the hardest working ponytail in the game. Uh, she was number two last week. Number three, the unretired 2K Legends. Um, number four, we're kind of sort of worried about them, but maybe they're doing okay. Hope they, don't get, <laughs> they don't get beat anymore. <laughs> number five, uh, because they just won Best Picture <laughs> at the Golden Globes, Queen. Number six is Halsey. Number seven, Panic at the Disco. Number eight, the Perpetual Kentucky Recruit. Number nine, Love and Hip Hop Legend Cardi B. And number ten, Travis Scott. Do you think um, Drake could start for Kentucky this year? <laughs> they're they're a decent team right now, aren't they? Mm-hmm. No, no, he ain't started. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. All right, um, and one more story that we want to talk about before we get into. Uh, the uh, Ben's earworm of the week. Uh, he had a story about a potential supergroup that could have been formed uh, around the time of Live Aid. So this would have been like '85, roughly. Yes. Yeah. So, um, oh, Flea Flicker, incomplete. Oh man, your stream is way behind. <laughs> oh, I'm like what? I'm like three plays behind right now. <laughs> Not that much. But, um, Rod Stewart, Freddie Mercury, and Elton John uh, nearly formed a supergroup they were going to call Nose, Teeth, and Hair. Based on their um, respective physical attributes. So, okay, Freddie Mercury would have been teeth. Yeah. And that's the thing. Rod Stewart has hair, hair, but he also has a nose. <laughs> well, it wouldn't have been Elton John with the hair. Yeah, unless they're – yeah, so that's just weird. <laughs> like, I guess, like, you know, I don't, yeah, Rod Stewart's got both. Like, he's got – he is the nose and the <laughs> and the hair of that group. Um, uh, yeah, so it says uh, – See here, they were looking at doing this after around the time of Live Aid, um, like eighty five. Yeah, I think that would have been interesting. Just the thought of them, you know, making a super group. 
um, who sings the most, you know, all. So they say, you know, they all have iconic voices. I think more so Freddie Mercury and Rod Stewart have iconic voices. Um, Elton John's not a bad singer, but like Elton John is not distinctively Elton John. Rod Stewart is distinctively Rod Stewart. Freddie Mercury is distinctively Freddie Mercury. Um, So I can't imagine. I'm just curious how that would have sounded. Who would play what? I don't know if does Rod Stewart play anything. Because <laughs> uh, I've never seen him play anything in his in his bands. Oh, I thought he played guitar or something. No, I mean he, he might. I've never seen him like when he was in Faces and with the Rod Stewart band. I didn't really see him play anything though. So, you know, I couldn't see. But then again, I mean, I I could listen to Rod Stewart sing anything. So, I'm just trying to think how Rod Stewart and Freddie Mercury's voices would mesh because Rod Stewart's got that very raspy bluesy voice. Um. But that would have been interesting. I think that would have that could have been interesting. I'm very sad it didn't happen. Um, I can't find anything that explains why it did not happen. Um, when did Freddie Mercury die? Was it shortly after that? Uh, he died in 91, 92. So they could have done it if they just, you know, if they really wanted to. But I think, like, in 85, like, I think that's when um, Elton John was making his, that was his, in the eighties, that was his time. Yeah. When he kind of blew up again. Yeah. And I think with Rod Stewart, he had some hits at that time too. Yeah, yeah. No, that was in the seventies. That was in the seventies. Yeah. Disco stuff. It was like Forever Young and Yeah, Forever Young. The song where the he had the Turks. Temptations singing back up for him. Yeah. Young Turks. Um Young Hearts Be Free Tonight. Yeah, that yeah, okay. So uh Yeah. So what could have been? Yeah, um, I, I that 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 name would have been terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I would I would hopefully. Um, okay, so now okay, I'm seeing here where they called it that. Um, Rod had a big nose. Elton had problems with his hair, and Freddie had his teeth. So yeah, Rod Stewart did have a big nose. Still has a big nose, really. But yeah. And touchdown. So the Patriots. Are in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so the road team won both games today. That's crazy. Yeah. Both number one seeds lost uh, in the conference championship. So Patriots and Rams, a rematch of Super Bowl 36. Yeah, Super Bowl 36. And uh, that was Kurt Warner versus Tom Brady. This is <laughs> Jared Goff versus Tom Brady. <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Um, Turn that off. So, yeah. Ugh. So, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl for the third straight year. Was he like 50-something? Still going <laughs> to Super Bowls, Tom Brady? Jeez, man. For the third straight year, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. He's, um, he's juicing. I, I don't know. Let me stop these rumors. <laughs> it's the, Well, something's in the avocado ice cream, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> TB6 or whatever he does. TB12. TB12. The TB12 method. Um, which is <laughs> the TV 12 method is, uh, but I, I know like avocado ice cream Sounds and then another thing of it was, um, like you sweat when you sleep. <laughs> and so in the morning, if you drink your own sweat, like if you have, if you sp- Put sweat in in a bottle or something, oh, and then you drink that sweat first thing in the morning when you wake up. Like you get those nutrients back, or it's something weird. It's weird. 
I mean, that's why the guy who helped him co- create this is not um, a licensed doctor or that nutritionist or anything. Disgusting. <laughs> Drink your sweat. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. But you know what, though? If it got me the career that Tom Brady has had, <laughs> I would drink my sweat, Yeah, too. He, he's 41, and he's going for number six. Uh, all that money, all that fame. Yeah, I'd probably drink my sweat, too, ankle. <laughs> if someone's like, hey, bro, you want to win six Super Bowls? Sure. Drink your sweat. <laughs> all right, so, Ben, tell us about <laughs> I, I I can't even segue from that. Uh, so tell us about your earworm of the week. All right, so um, I've been listening to um, a lot of seventies music because I am playing with a seventies cover band, and um, this song is an upbeat rocker from Rod Stewart's band Faces. Um, it is called "Stay with Me." It kicks. It's it's really fun to play. Um, I had never heard it until maybe a week ago when I had to learn it. And um, I almost feel like it's cheating because, you know, I had to listen to it a lot to learn it. But then after that, it became a really fun song to play along to. And I just listen to it all the time just because it's got a lot of really cool um, guitar work. Of course, Faces had Jeff Beck in it. Um, And it has a lot of just the drummer was really good. Something about those British drummers back in the, you know, the 60s and the 70s. They played a lot of really cool offbeat type stuff. Um, Sounds on beat, but when you're playing it, it's offbeat. you can you can definitely hear the respect for the blues that they had back then. They love the blues, um, but yeah. So if you're in the, if you're into some really good blues rock, I definitely suggest checking out Faces and really anything from Rod Stewart back then. Okay. Yeah, imagine them playing this in like a really smoky bar, and like seedy part of London, <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just like, "Oh man, this Rod Stewart guy's gonna be big." <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. So this is. Stay With Me by Faces from an album called A Nod Is As God. Oh, okay. I thought that was a weird looking title. A Nod Is As Good As a Wink to a Blind Horse. (laughs) That's a hell of a name. All right. So this is Stay With Me by The Faces, and we'll be right back. No. 
that is Stay With Me by The Faces or Rod Stewart and The Faces or The Faces featuring Rod Stewart (laughs) from their album A Nod is as good as a wink to a blind horse and uh, you can find that on our BTT YHT Earworms playlist right now on the Spotify all right so we started the show with uh Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis discussing working with Janet Jackson on her album Control from 1986. And um, that's what we're going to discuss on this episode, the album Control. Um, Nine songs, 41 minutes of jam-packed... No pun intended there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. R&B pop, R&B power pop. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, so before we get into any the stories involved, that's what I enjoy and all that. Um, ben, when you, I, I don't remember where I first was when I first heard the album or anything like that. Um, I do think my mom has it has a couple of the singles on a 45 somewhere. Um, but what was your... If you know, if you listened to the album recently or whenever you had listened to it, what was your impression of um of of the songs or of mm-hmm. the album in general? Well, I mean, I, th- I could um I think it kind of defined what her sound would be for the next couple of albums. Um listening to it and I mean, and this is not even an insult to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis because in one of the interviews you and I listened to, he talked about how, you know, when we have this sound, we don't get we don't use it again for another album. And while there I do think there are differences between this one and Rhythm Nation, you, you do hear some similarities. You know, you hear what was to come from her. And because um, I mean, like, I don't remember the first time I heard this album. I heard her um, her discography, you know, kind of just all together, you know, when I was listening to this. There were certain songs I didn't realize, like, what have you done for me lately? Did not realize was on control. Um, so for me, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of this, these songs define what her sound was going to be moving forward. And I think that was a that was a big part of A, of this album, and B, why we kind of wanted to discuss it. Because, you know, recently she was, you know, um, nominated. She's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, we don't always like to go for the big album, you know, it's easy to talk about Thriller. It's, it'd probably be really easy to talk about Rhythm Nation, but Control was the breakout. You know, this is her third album. It wasn't her first. I bet you there's some people who think it is her first. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but this was the first where she really had control, no pun intended, of what she was doing on the album, hence the name Control, really. So, but that's what I think of when it, you know, because I don't remember the first time I heard it. I always felt that this album was like a kind of a make or break album for her Mm. to where the first two albums that a lot of people don't even know about uh, weren't well known. I mean, she was at the time she's known more as an actress. She was on Good Times and Different Strokes. And I think there was another sitcom that she may have worked on, but she was looked at more as an actress rather than Mm -hmm. a singer. She just happened to come from a family of singers. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what pushed her into doing it. So, yeah. And, you know, because everyone had to do something. Yeah. uh, It seemed like. But I think that this album, 
um, pushed her into into the spotlight, into that, into pop superstardom, you know, with uh, there needed to be someone uh, to rival Madonna mm. or to be up there with, I don't know if Debbie Gibson was out yet or Tiffany, but there needed to be, there needed to be a black girl to be up in there. Yeah. And someone who could who could dance because Whitney sure couldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Say like, dance, dance. <laughs> Mama didn't let me do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think that uh, with. Getting with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who really who had done some stuff, but they weren't like this. This put them out in front as far mm-hmm. as being pop producers. Because yeah. I mean, they had worked with Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle and well, uh, SOS, had they done SOS, SOS Band okay, that time, yeah. Change. They were they had been fired from working with Prince, so. <laughs> um, you know, they they had had some R&B success, some dance chart success, but not the pop success mm-hmm. that Janet Jackson would um, help bring them. Uh, so it wasn't really a make or break one for them, make or break project for them. But it did uh, it did bring them into the spotlight. Yeah. On a on a broader level. Mm-hmm. Um, and. uh you know, this can be credited with being, you know, one of the first New Jack Swing projects. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely the combination of pop and R&B uh, that could be. Um, uh, I want I want to say like mainstream, but brought to a broader audience, you know, uh, I, I saw I, I, another per, another artist besides Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. But it was like kind of like it had it was edgier than that. Yeah, like yeah, this, this is was definitely edgier. This was after Thriller, but before Bad. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. You know, so you have Thriller to go off on, and then with Lionel Richie with Dancing on the Ceiling and uh, All Night <laughs> Long, <laughs> you know. Uh, but this was. Just had a harder edge, and then with the subject matters as well, like yeah. um, with the clip that we played, the conversations that they had ended up turning into songs. Yeah, because like, she's how old at this point? She is. I think she was like nineteen, twenty. Yeah, so you gotta imagine, you know, the things that. Yeah, she was. Um, she was nineteen okay. when uh, working on the album. Well, when it came out, she was about to turn twenty. Yeah, so. You know, young a young woman, you know, kind of coming into her own. And if you really think about it, too, um, you just like you're not going to know everything, you know, despite what the media says. Yeah. At 18, even I know that's the age that we've chosen as being, you know, when you're an adult, like you're not an adult at 20, at 19. God, I don't want to think about the stupid things we did when we were in college <laughs> at the ages of 19 and 20. So There's a lot of stupid things. Yeah. Um, so. You, you know, you got to think like there's probably I imagine it's very tough to kind of organize your thoughts. At that but age in this case, like we were in college. Yeah. She right? was not in college. <laughs> she was she was not in college, but she had a she had a career. Mm-hmm. She was having some success, mm-hmm. but she felt like she couldn't 
it was based people telling her what mm-hmm. to do and where to go and how to dress. So the well, I think they worked with her and helped her kind of organize yeah, those thoughts. Like one of the things that she did, she fired her dad as her manager. manager yeah, and she was also going through. Uh, she had uh, married and then had the marriage annulled to James DeBarge from DeBarge. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought it was L DeBarge, but it was one of the DeBarges that I didn't like. Okay, didn't, no one really knew. <laughs> James, I don't know which one is James. <laughs> I'm sorry. The only ones where I know their faces are L and Chico. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she had, she had been married. She married James DeBarge, had the marriage annulled, and she was 18. Yeah. I think he was like 20, 21. Yeah. So they were both young. Um. But uh, there was a, there's a lot of autobiographical yeah. things in, in this album as well. And I think because it's the one that kind of brought her into the mainstream, mm-hmm. that's why people look at it as her first album, even yeah. though it's the third one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's where the, you know, the talent of a good producer kind of comes in, you know, she like they said, you know, when are we going to start working on the album? We've been working on it. You know, we're what we're talking about. This is going to be the subject matter. You know, you're not a writer. We're writers. We're going to we're going to be your voice, essentially. Um, and, I, you know, luckily she had producers who thought like that so that she could get good songs. Because prior to that, you know, like what Dream Street was the album before that. Yeah. They they just gave her the song. Yeah, you pick from a catalog of Playtone. Oh, the, the Playtone catalog. Yeah. Well, got, also, you also include uh, when we talked about um, uh, when we talked about Rodgers and Edwards. Yeah. Uh, they when they worked with Diana Ross, they mm-hmm. like sat down and had a conversation with Diana Ross. Yeah. When they worked with Citrus Sledge, they just came in like, "Here, sing this." Yeah. <laughs> so this that's kind of how it was. Just sing part this. Two. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and. Uh, like well, like you said, like we played in the clip, um, they spent the first week just getting to know her, and mm-hmm. Terry Lewis said we got into her head, we saw what she was capable of, or what she wanted to say, where she wanted to be, what she wanted to be. We put together some songs to fit her as we saw her, as she revealed herself to us. It was as simple as that, mm-hmm. and that's how they work with all of their artists. Yeah. Um, and if, if anyone who saw the new edition story, um. Uh, <laughs> they explained it to do addition like, well, control was about, you know, Janet becoming a woman and taking mm-hmm. control of her life. And we want this new edition album to be about how some boys are turned into some grown ass men. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they created a, a narrative yeah. uh, based on getting to know their uh, their artists. And that's something that. I don't know. I do you think producers like try to do that anymore or are they just trying to turn out these beats and get this money? I think it depends on who you work with, honestly. Um I think there are those producers in every genre, you know, not just I'm not going to pick on hip hop here. In every genre who like, you know, they don't write cuz a lot of times you hear like in the stories, they don't write a song for a particular person. You know, it's very rare in pop music, even really back then, but even more so rare now that you get one producer for the whole album. So it's not going to have a consistent narrative anymore. You're not going to get that chance to sit down with the artist, get to know them, and then write a song that best fits them. You just come with a catalog of songs. You know, you're like, well, this one will fit you. Sometimes you'll have songwriters shopping songs and, 
you know, you know that you you'll hear the stories about how well we wanted Rihanna to do it, and then we wanted Katy Perry to do it, and it ended up going to this artist. And, yeah, it was kind of like you're outsourcing the song to yeah. someone else instead of. I mean, I understand if you're writing a song for somebody, but mm-hmm. if you haven't established some kind of professional relationship, and I know that might be harder to do. Yeah, because this is a time where, um, artists for the most probably until like the late 90s mm-hmm. artists work with one producer for the whole album. Yeah. And you still see that very much so in rock music. Yeah, you see that in, in, in you see that in pop as well, not so much in hip hop, yeah. not so much in R&B to where um there may be someone who does maybe half the album, mm-hmm. but not someone to where uh is the same people writing and producing Producing, every song um there was an article i read uh, a couple years ago to where somebody felt that nas ruined that because on illmatic he had like four different producers yeah and rappers weren't doing that no (laughs) they want maybe two (laughs) and that second one got to do one song but every other track was like you know was yeah it was not different and I do think there's a there's a little bit lost in that if you have so if you have different producer doing every single song yeah but then there are also advantages to that because then you do get like you know with one producer you get one you get a statement you know you get one long statement with different producers you get like a buffet if you will you know a little bit of here a little bit of here this track sounds nothing like this track this track sounds nothing like this track and if you like that, you know, then that's, you know, that that can be a good thing. And I mean, I don't mind it, you know. Um, one album that comes to mind is Infinity on High uh, from Fall Out Boy. They brought in um, different producers to do um, different songs. And then they took it even further on Folia Duh. So like on Infinity on High, um, Babyface produces a song. He comes in and produces a song. But then on the next album, like they're having like Pharrell produces a song few other people like so they were doing that in rock music which really you don't see very much you bring yeah. in one producer it's normally just one and they do the whole album and they were kind of changing that and so listening to their first records versus their newer records the first records were the one long statement the newer albums were they were a little all, kind of all over the place <laughs> <laughs> it's just about what you want but with this album i think what really helped her hone in on what she was trying to say which the narrative was a girl becoming a woman, you're not going to get that if you have a bunch of different producers. You might have a couple of songs that tell that, but then that's it. That's where it stops. Yeah, and, you know, you normally don't get a lot of producers, like I said, like that that will work with an artist as far as, like, getting to know them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked about that with uh, with Rick Rubin. Yeah. Oh, Slip, to not, where that's, not like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's never here. Like, we're paying him a bunch of money. He's never here. <laughs> see they see they waited too long. They, <laughs> <laughs> they waited too long to work with him. Red Hot Chili Peppers like he's he's living with them. He's, like they're working the too house. much. <laughs> Lincoln Park is like he kept making me rewrite that line. <laughs> <laughs> right, right so they waited too long. Um, so yeah. Um, but as far as um, you know, creating the you're creating this. It, it was this was a complete project. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, the each song has a story. There's a reason why these songs are written, mm-hmm. um, you know, from a personal level. And putting the songs together that way, 
I think that's hard to do now because it seems like people don't get the time. Uh, like this was two years after the previous album, and if it was today, yeah, two years. That's we waited two years. Around. We were just talking about Ariana Grande already coming out with another album, like promoting this upcoming album. And she just and this this one. Uh, this one just came out like middle of last year <laughs> in the last year. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, nowadays you're recording in tour buses and hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah, like everyone knows about uh, with Lil Wayne with all the music he was coming out with. Yeah. I feel like he came out with like eight albums in five years. Yeah, but he had he they put in a recording booth on his tour bus, and that's where he and, did it. Yeah. And but then also what I'm talking about with like the kind of the separation from the producer is it was just all these beats. Yeah. He had an engineer like play this beat, uh, play the next one. Yeah. Uh, play the next one. OK, let's let's do a song to that. And you lose that personal that that feel, you know, the. Yeah. And I don't want to say like the music's not empty. I'm sure Lil Wayne has something to say, um, but you lose that coherence. Coherence is not a word. I just made that up. Coherence. Cohesion. Cohesion. Yes. But I'm a, I'm gonna try to trademark coherence. You lose that cohesion. <laughs> That's a word though. Coherence. Coherence is a probably word. means doesn't even. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Not what I think it is. <laughs> you lose that cohesion, and that's what you get with an album like Control, and really with a lot of her catalog because this was the start of one of the longest working relationships in pop music. Yeah. Um, and I think you know I I think it probably came because they caught her at a very formative time in her life. Um, she felt that they gave her a good, she felt that they gave her a good voice. And I think that she was like, I, I choose you guys to tell my story, to help me tell this story of me. Um, because then, you know, with Rhythm Nation coming out with the next album, the things that were on her mind, then they helped her, they helped her get those things out just like they did with Control. And I think that's why it's been such a great relationship. And I don't, I don't know all of the, um, what led to them meeting Mm -hmm. but you know if if it was something along the lines of that janet has an ear uh similar to how her brothers and sisters have an ear we know michael has an ear oh yeah jermaine jermaine has an ear he's produced some artists um so uh if she's listening to songs that they have produced previously like i said were like change and alexander o'neill sherelle um, and even with more stay in the time when they were part of flight time, mm-hmm. um, she wants that kind of album. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like with something to have them produce it. Mm-hmm. And with Jam and Lewis, they wanted to appeal. They wanted to make an album that only that would appeal to black people, mm-hmm. of course, but also cross over to pop. Mm-hmm. And uh, just you know, having those goals kind of like can come together, and, and they'll be able to make something. They were able to come together to do that, um, and it's not something that's again that's something that you don't get too much today. Uh, I think the only the only artist producer relationships that I know of are like um, uh, Mike Will made it and Ray Shrimmer. He he produces most of their stuff. Yeah, uh, Metro Boomin does a lot with um, Future. Yeah, and Twenty One Savage. Yeah, uh, but you don't get a lot of those. 
And on a on a darker timeline, there's Doctor Luke and Kesha, <laughs> but that that's no longer they you know of course they no longer work together. But waiting for that uh, yeah. documentary, Surviving Doctor Luke. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yikes! <laughs> uh, or also, uh, who was Katy Perry working Max a lot Martin. with? Max Martin. Max Martin. There's Dr. another Luke. one. Yeah. So there's a few of them today, but it's like. I don't know if record companies or maybe with the artists, there's not enough time to kind of develop this relationship. It's like a 24 hour cycle now. Like you're always doing something. Yeah. You know, you don't have, cause it's not like you even hear about like such and such as going into the studio to record an album. It's just like more so, you know, songs are being written or, you know, the anticipate, you like when you hear about it, it's like the anticipation anticipated release date is. And you're like, Oh, this person has been recording. They've been doing appearances. (laughs) You know, they were just on Leno, or I'm dating myself. They were just on um, Fallon, or they were just on Kimmel, or they were just on SNL, or whatever. You know, and next thing you know, another like, when did we ever hear about Ariana Grande going into the studio? No, I mean that's kind of similar with with Beyonce. Yeah, you don't hear about her going into the studio. All of a sudden, just here's an album. album. Yeah, you don't hear about it because that. I mean, that, it seems like that's what a lot of fans care about. Like Frank Ocean had the. Uh, I can't remember what the mixtape was called, but it had Swim Good and Novocaine on it, I yeah. think. And then it came out with Channel Orange, and it I felt like it was like maybe three, four years later, people are tweeting at uh, Frank Ocean, or whenever he does something, like, where's the album, Frank? Where's the album? <laughs> we want the album. Where's the album? Yeah. You know, and he had probably been working on the album the entire time, but... As an artist, you want to put out something that that's good, yeah. don't you? Well, <laughs> so I, I think that's a little, and not to go too far off topic here, I think Frank Ocean is the type of artist that actually cares about what he puts out. Yeah. Um, unlike, and I hate to say this because I don't so know So he might people. take three or four yeah. years because, you know, he hasn't. Some of these other people don't necessarily care as much. It's just about the single. It's about, you know, get a single out as quickly as possible to stay relevant, whereas Frank Ocean... And he's someone who's writing and producing yeah. his own songs, so... He's a little more old school. <laughs> yeah. So he, he he's, of course, going to have a different approach, and he's going to take his time. Um, Did you ever hear the interview where Rich Cronin from um, LFO throws shade at all the boy bands because they were talking about why they can't release? Songwriters. He's like, yeah, we're not able to release it because, you know, we have to actually... When we come off the road, we have to go in and, you know, write the album. <laughs> Through that shade, man. I was like, oh, Rich. Throw on that shade. Mm-mm-mm. But yeah, that is true, though. You know, if you're an if you're an artist that is heavily involved in the writing and producing, there and, and if you want to be, because there's a difference. Like, you know, Frank Ocean wants to be involved in the process. Frank Ocean could easily just take songs. I'm pretty sure there would be a line around the block for people who have who written songs that they want Frank Ocean to sing or make beats. They want Frank Ocean to sing over, but he wants to be involved. So that it is a process, just like control is a process. Yeah. So good. Good that we we brought that back around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is um, what's one of the the standout tracks to you as far as like how it's structured, just or how it sounds, or if it's just a good song? Um. So I think the story behind the song. Um, Nasty, which is the second track after Control, which is the title track. Um, 
is a very, you know, it's that beat is very, as it's playing behind me, is a very distinct beat. You know that beat when you hear it. Um, which I think is like good on Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis for making something just with a, you know, kind of stands up there with those famous introductions of a drum beat. Um, so talking about that song, so um, according to I Heart, an interview, well, not an interview, but um, article compiled by iHeartRadio, um, Nasty was born out of the star's uncomfortable encounter with a group of street harassers outside of the hotel where she stayed in Minneapolis. Of course, she, you know, in Minneapolis recording it because that's where Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are based out of. She said they were emotionally abusive, sexually threatening, um, she told Rolling Stone back in 1993. But instead of running to Jimmy or Terry for protection, I took a stand. I backed them down. And so you kind of hear her talking about that in the song. You know, she's talking about, you know, they don't mean a thing. So that's it's kind of, you know, imagine something like that coming out today. That's almost kind of one of those ahead of its time type songs, you know, fem, fem, fem empowerment, female empowerment, you know. So something like that kind of stands out to me as being, A, being relevant, being ahead of its time, and then just being, it's a catchy song, you know. It's got that very distinct intro. Give me a beat, you know. I'm my best impression. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the, that's the best, you know, it's very distinct. Yeah, this was... Um this was the second single uh, and it was um, there was I was trying to see what they used a particular instrument for that for that sound mm-hmm. uh, for the melody um, and I lost it but anyway um, I remember as part of the, the the video taking place in a movie theater mm-hmm. and uh, this was what I liked that it had like um I really like the percussion of the song. That's mm-hmm. what stands out to me on it. Uh and that's the word I was trying to think of percussion. Yes. <laughs> and I've never um I don't know, I've had, I haven't heard anybody try to like duplicate that. It's like anything that they do. Similar to Prince. Yeah. Um which makes sense because I mean it's Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and they've worked with Prince, um, but no, yeah, the percussion was the word I was looking for. I was saying drum beat, yeah, that that the electronic percussion they used at the beginning, extremely distinct, and then the sparse um, melody, or not melody, but the chords and arrangement behind her. It's mostly a drum-driven song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this song ranked at number thirty on VH1's 100 best songs of the past 25 years, but that was, I don't know when that uh, countdown came out. Uh, Won the 100 greatest songs of the 80s. Uh, Rolling Stone's 100 greatest pop songs. And LA Weekly's best pop songs in music history by a female. Hmm. Um, And Britney Spears has covered this song. I can't imagine it's good. If it's what she did to my prerogative, yeah. I, I I probably won't care for it. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is funny and sad at the same time. After Donald Trump referred to Hillary Clinton as such a nasty woman during the third presidential debate of 2016, the song rose up 250 percent. I can understand that. Yeah, I, I had a playlist called Hillary Clinton Power Hour in which nasty. any song I could find that had the word nasty in it. Oh god, because <laughs> I think I had a. Uh, 
um, Nasty Dancer. Um, I can't remember what else I had on it. I don't. I think I deleted the playlist once you lost. Miss <laughs> Jackson, if you're nasty. Uh, oh no! Actually, I still have it. Uh, um, Nasty Girl, the one by Notorious B.I.G. and one by Destiny's Child. Um, Make It Nasty by Tyga, Nasty by Nas, For the Nasty by Q-Tip and Busta Rhymes. Yeah. So, yeah, the Hillary Clinton Power Hour. Um, Just search it on Spotify. <laughs> Is it an hour long? Um, It's an hour and two minutes. Oh, I was going to say we should do a power hour to it. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I will never do another power no, hour again. No. It was a horrible experience. No. Um. Uh, the act the actual first single is "What Have You Done for Me Lately," and I, did it have a sketch at the beginning? What's up, girl? He stood me up again, again. Mm -hmm. Well, what's up with this guy? Do you really like him that much? Yes, honey, I love him. He is fine. He does a lot of nice things for me. I know he used <laughs> to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I don't know who the uh, who the other woman is in that sketch, in that skit, but <laughs> it's uh, uh, I remember for this video there were a lot of like scene changes mm -hmm. for like a four minute song. It's been a while since I've seen the video. Um, there were yeah, there were a lot of scene changes. They were just walking to people's houses and doing a dance routine because it was the eighties. Yeah, but <laughs> but um, um, it's a definitely another one of those female empowerment songs, um, and like I said, this was the first single. So this kind of uh, if you listen to her other albums, if you have the time, yeah. you don't have to <laughs> listen to them. But this was such a departure. This this song, this album was such a departure to what she did before. Yeah, like it's it's like it's night and day. Yeah. It's January and August. Yeah. <laughs> it's too hot, never too cold, and ironic. It's just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For all the Atlantis fans out there, um, that'll be a future episode, Jack Little Pill. Yeah. But, like, I, we got we have to put uh, compile... The previous albums, we gotta just find, for a fair comparison, gotta find them. We gotta find them. They're out of print, yeah. and she's disowned them. You might have to go to Canada. Sure. <laughs> um, but with these, but you know, with a song like this, like it kind of like, I understand that people thought this was her first album, but this just one of those songs that. Um, she just came out of the box with, mm -hmm. as far as with with this. This established her as as a pop artist. Yeah. She was gonna she was gonna be a force. She was gonna be put up there with the Madonnas and the Debbie Gibsons. Yeah. Um and this has been uh I am not sure what else I need to what else I need to say about this song. No, it's a good song. <laughs> um Paul Abdul choreographed the dancing. So she, I don't think she was working with yeah, Tina yet, surprising. Tina Landon, <laughs> um, which is who is her longtime um, choreographer. But no, this is this is a great song, and also another song that she said was born out of that encounter. 
um, with the harassers on the street, you know. But this is it's definitely one of those songs that is, like you said, female empowerment taking, you know, what have you done? What have you done for me lately? You know, encouraging the lover to kind of keep things fresh, if you will. Um, some men in the past, of course, you know, thought women should be seen and not heard. And uh, Miss Jackson, because I'm nasty, Miss Jackson did not <laughs> think that way. <laughs> uh, I was trying to think of like this was in a movie. I couldn't think of what the movie was. And then Sister Act Two, where oh, they like have you sampled yeah. it a little bit during the 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 championship choir yeah. competition that would be an interesting <laughs> uh movie to discuss a lot of music in that movie both of those movies a lot of music i i i finally found it figured out the irony of um uh shirley ralph who played lauren hill's mom yeah was the original dina jones in dream girls mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh wow and you got uh, the irony for, yeah. for for all of that for like not wanting her daughter to sing. Sitting down in the crowd and scared Lauren Hill half to death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still waiting on Sister Act three. Yeah. Um, Lauren Hill won't be in it. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh what other information did that uh did the article write about? You said there was one about like six facts about the Yeah. Um, so let's see here, run down some of these here. So one of them we mentioned, she fired her father as a manager. Right. Probably one of her best decisions ever, because Joseph was toxic. I think we all agree on that. We've probably discussed that to death <laughs> about Joseph. He is the reason. I mean, there's a reason reason for a lot of things, but yeah. like I mentioned before, there was no tour for thriller. <laughs> because he still managed Michael. Yeah. And he made Michael go on that victory tour. And, and there was there's an episode, if anyone remembers the sitcom The Hughleys with D.L. Hughley. Oh, wow. That's a throwback. Uh, there's an episode where they went to, though they talked about how, um, I forget the wife's name on the show. It was either Yvette or Annette or something like that. Kimberly um, Elise played her. No, not Kimberly Elise. Elise Neal played her. But um, there was a... They talked about how how they met or their first date, which was the Victory Tour concert. <laughs> the concert, the Victory Tour. So it was, and they always made a joke like, "So yeah, um, uh, I went up to get a soda because Randy was doing his solo, uh, <laughs> or it was like, uh, yeah, Marla was doing a dance solo, so um, I went outside. It was like so, so like that. <laughs> they just like shaded anyone who wasn't Michael. <laughs> that's hilarious um like it's tito, tito had a guitar solo so you know <laughs> i went over here but, <laughs> but uh um yeah no tour for thriller one of the great um musical tragedies mm-hmm. as far as music goes not like deaths yeah no it, anyway. it was a shame mm-hmm. so let's see next fact here so this was one we also talked about um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis had a particular goal in mind when um, thinking about producing Control. We wanted to do an album that would be in every black home in America. We were going for the black album of all time, they said in a Rolling Stone interview. So uh, let's see here. <clears throat> the video for Nasty, of which we just spoke about, which had the choreography by Paul Abdul, received three nominations at the 1987 MTV Video Music Awards winning Best Choreography for a little-known choreographer by the name of Paula Abdul, who went on to be the the crier 
on American Idol. (laughs) 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 Um, Hits like Nasty and Lately were born out of her uncomfortable encounter with a group of street harassers. That's the one we just talked about. Um, uh, She said they were born out of a sense of self-defense. Control was regarded as one of the best albums by a female artist by NPR who placed it at number 17 on their, quote, Turning the Tables, the 150 Greatest Albums Ever Made by Women. And then number six, even though the album clocks in at 38 minutes, Control is actually only nine tracks long, ending with Funny How Time Flies, subtitled When You're Having Fun, because that was all the rage in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do a subtitle. <laughs> From the six. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> Uh, I was looking at it was this album was nominated for album of the year. Uh, it lost to Graceland by Paul Simon. Okay, that's a solid album. Uh, otherwise known as Paul Simon Goes to Africa. <laughs> that's what I've been calling it lately. Paul it's Simon like, Goes to Africa. Paul Simon Goes to Africa. That's yeah. what Graceland is. Yeah. Um, also nominated that year was So by Peter Gabriel, the Broadway album by Barbara Streisand. And Back in the High Life by Steve Winwood. Steve Winwood. That was a good album. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was a, good, that was a pretty good year. I don't, I'm not familiar with Broadway, the album, but Back in the High Life again. It's a good album. Graceland. I know some people are so-so about it. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Still good competition. That's good competition. And you said who won? Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Graceland won? Okay. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And it was nominated for a couple of other awards. Um, well, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis won Producer of the Year in the non-classical category. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that actually might have been it. Oh, God, she got more than one Grammy nomination. And it was Album of the Year. That's the only nomination she got. I don't think so. <laughs> see what these accolades <laughs> Uh, yeah, it looks like that was it. Let me see here. That would be sad if that was it, but. Oh, it was nominated for Best R&B Song for What Have You Done For Me Lately. Um, and it lost to Sweet Love by Anita Baker. A very good song. It was nominated for Best R&B Vocal Performance. For uh, well, for the album in in the album as a whole, and it lost to Anita Baker. <laughs> and uh, as I said, it was not it. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis won for producer of the year. Uh, it did also it won. Uh, it was nominated for twelve American Music Awards because that was a big deal in the eighties. Yeah. The American Music Awards Huge. was a big deal because. Uh, that's connected to radio play. Yeah. So that and, means you were popular. <laughs> yeah, if you were popular, you had a chance to win. Yeah. Um, it was just cool to be nominated, honestly, because you can get like 12 to 20 nominations yeah. all in one night. How many did um, Michael Jackson take home one night? Like he just... I feel like he like won a like... ridiculous amount. <laughs> he won like 10 in one night or something. I don't know. He just know. kept going <laughs> up there. <laughs> um, She won four of them. Uh, and... Uh, she won for favorite R&B, soul slash R&B single for Nasty. Favorite soul R&B artist. Yeah, video artist. Uh, 
female video artist. Oh, she won for favorite soul R&B video for when I think of you and favorite pop rock video for when I think of you. Okay, so is soul, R&B, pop, and rock? That song is all of those things? <laughs> According to the AMAs. But with the AMAs, like they... Awards, we've, we've yeah. kind of, they're, they're genre blind. We've kind of established. Yeah. <laughs> especially if it's a genre they don't quite understand yet. Yeah, they'll, they'll be put in a category that... You have like, nothing really? to do. Like, like, I'm not metal. <laughs> like you have pop, pop, and rock, but yeah. she's her, if... It's R&B. If she's closer to pop, if it's pop rock... Yeah. She's closer to pop, but I mean, it's not like, uh, and the best R&B country album, it, <laughs> it seems like they were doing it like that. R&B and country. <laughs> uh, she also won three Soul Train Awards uh, for the music video, What Have You Done For Me Lately, for Album of the Year by a Female, and Best Music Video uh, for Control, which is interesting. For her to win best music video for that because that's basically the uh the standard concert footage music video yeah. <laughs> um were the the image awards went around back then were they no because she would have swept yeah she would have had a lot of image awards um and like i said before it was it was nominated well it won for best choreography for nasty also nominated for best choreography for the Pleasure Principle, mm-hmm. which um, was one of the um, a video that I felt like other pop singers or R and B singers have emulated or wanted to emulate at some point. The video for Pleasure Principle, yeah. which is just Janet um, wearing acid wash jeans and a white T shirt, and there's also some stuff she does with a chair. <laughs> um, it's kind of like her version of the uh, if anyone remembers the scene in Footloose with Kevin Bacon dancing in the really yeah. really hard <laughs> in the barn. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of like her version of that. So yeah, definitely. I I so when you say that, yeah, that makes me think of um, Britney Spears totally ripped on it in her stronger video with yeah. the chair. Yeah, I see what you mean now. I'm watching uh, it now. Cassie's uh, me, me and, and you. you. Yeah. Oh, she ripped that hard. <laughs> yes. She ripped it hard. Um what uh what else kind of stands out to you about the album? Any songs or any particular moments? Um so I guess because neither one of us has mentioned it, the socially conscious song. Uh I think you know what I'm talking about. Let's wait a while. The socially conscious song. That is, uh, that, but then was used. What what was this used? Because this was used for like a, a very sexual song later, wasn't it? Um, was it? I want to think so. It was sampled in something. Um, let's see. It was. Well, it has you know the smooth jazz covers, of course. That's gonna happen. Um. Ashanti used the chorus on a big pun song. Um, Maybe I'm thinking of another song then. I thought this was sampled on something like really nasty. Well, I know. Well, you might be thinking about um, the song by Jermaine Stewart. We don't have to take our clothes off. That has been sampled too. And then uh, Gym Class Heroes. Yeah. Made a song sampling it called Clothes Off. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, I've, I'm a look into that. But yeah, but this is um, this song. You know, it it uh, excuse me, it encouraged teenagers to not just rush into doing it. <laughs> and this was at the, I wouldn't say the peak, but AIDS, but was, like yeah, yeah the AIDS uh epidemic or I don't know if you would call it epidemic because it still exists. There's still no cure, but um with i guess aids being uh known about at the time mm-hmm. being such a prominent subject matter the song is considered to be to teach about sexual abstinence yeah uh this did this song did peak at number 2 on the uh hot 100 um as i said this is a different time as far as the uh, ballads being able to be yeah. on, uh, successful. Still doing well, yeah. Um, I think Adele is the only person who can get away with that right now. Basically. Um, in the video, because I, I hadn't seen the video in so long, it starred uh, Tymok, a.k.a. Yeah, from, yeah, from, Tam- uh, is it Tamak? Tamak, I thought yeah. it was Tymok. I don't whatever. Look, Bruce Leroy, guys. It's Bruce yeah, Leroy. Bruce Leroy from <laughs> The Last Dragon. Yes. Um, this was also covered on Glee. Of course, it was. Yeah, and a socially <laughs> conscious episode. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, so she has her. She has it. Uh. I think there were also been other songs that um that could relate to the time to, to relate to the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. Like she has a song uh, together again, uh, which came out probably like 10 years after this. <laughs> hmm. uh, I didn't know that was about, I never really paid attention to what that song was about. Cause that, cause well, cause that song was about like her friends who had passed. Oh, from, okay. They were talking about from like above to yeah. dub and okay. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, yeah, and this is, and this was, uh, I guess, she got critical acclaim for her vocal performance on this as well. Yeah, it is. She does sing a little bit better than she normally sings. Cause not to, you know, I know we're sitting here, you know, talking about how good and stuff she is. Um, I do have to disagree with with uh, Jimmy Jam and Taylor Lewis. She's not a great vocalist. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like the songs were good, and she was she was good at singing what they gave her. So that's all that really mattered. And now uh, I'm reading here that uh, it may it sounded like a song called Daisy Jane mm-hmm. by America. So I'm gonna pull that up. I'm gonna <laughs> see if that if it sounds similar at all. Um, okay, let's see. There's no heart beating around. Flying me back to Memphis. Gotta find my days in I really like this song so far, too. <laughs> well, the summer's gone, and I hope she's. That's where it goes off the road. That's there. Okay, so it's only that that piano pattern, really. Yeah. Thinking 
What's the name of this song? Daisy Jane by America. Uh, the road manager heard the song on the radio and contacted Jerry Beckley, who is a member of the band. <laughs> uh, and eventually Beckley settled out of court for... Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, he he got his just due, so yeah. technically they sampled the songs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's really only that piano part, but her song is built so prominently around it that yeah, that's probably why they settled out of court. Uh, she also uh, well would sample, and they probably got their just due, of course. Uh, the song "Someone to Come My Lover" sampled Ventura Highway. Yeah, by America, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, he said that song was number two, uh, only behind Club Nouveau's version of Lean On Me. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that song. That 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 makes me think of um, some um, some kids. I guess they're like a, a troop of kids who do um, like um, drug-free skits and abstinence skits and stuff came to my elementary school and did a skit presentation for us, and it ended with that song. This was... God, I started elementary school in 89, so I mean, I was there for six years, so this song was pretty old by then, <laughs> but they were still using Lean On Me by Club Nouveau. Um, yeah, that was just weird. Now, thinking back on that, that's weird. Like, why would you use a song that old? Because I, yeah. What other song could they have used? I don't know. Hmm? Let's wait a while. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Those were the times. I wonder what happened to those kids. I'll never know. They're doing drugs. Probably. <laughs> as soon as the presentation was over, y'all want to get high? Man, I got to get high, man. That was a, I missed a, I missed a turn, man. I got to get high. <laughs> um, the, the title track, which was actually the fourth single, normally don't get a whole lot of that. Um, well, that's something that one hit wonders do. Mm-hmm. The the whatever the hit song is, that's the name of the album. Yeah, you might be able to get away with calling it something else because, like, do you remember a remember a band called Tapau? What did what did they have? They had a song called Heart and Soul, which was used in a jeans commercial in the eighties. How did it go? Uh, I can't remember the lyric. Oh, right okay, Tapau. That the name sounds familiar, but I just. It was named like they the band was named after like a, a minor Star Trek character, I think. But the Give a out, little the, bit of heart and so Yeah. Okay. That's it, yes. Yeah. But they um they their album was called Bridge of Spies. Yeah. And I know that because I've been watching uh BBC has this docuseries about Top of the Pops and they go year by year. Mm-hmm. And I just saw the one for nineteen eighty six mm-hmm. and nineteen eighty seven. Uh, I'll tell you this, guys. The UK cares a lot more about their pop music than America does. <laughs> they care a lot. Like, the Christmas number one song is still a very big deal. Yeah. I'm not sure how or why, but it still is. But anyway. Um, but with this song... Um, it, it it it's the most it's the most autobiographical of all the songs, of mm-hmm. course. Um, what was the song? What was the lyric like? Um, 
when I was 17, I did what people told me. Yeah. I did what my father said and what my mother, mother told mo- me. My mother, mother told me, yeah. yeah. Um, and then with this song, um, it sounded like a song that time would have done. If you think about it. If you do what? If you think about it, this is a song that the time, like it had, it sounded like a song the time did. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I, could, I could hear the time doing this. Um, and what I said, what I said, like the video is like the standard concert footage video. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there was a live crowd and it's the, the crowd had expected to see a Jenna Jackson concert, mm. but instead it was 50 takes of her lip syncing the song. Oh, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be pretty mad about that. <laughs> She didn't actually do a song? No, she just lip synced this song. Like they heard that, but she did it 50 times, it looked like. <laughs> and uh, uh, the story here also is that this was when she fired her dad. And um, uh, Sharon Orek, who produced the video, said that uh, he was bitter and taking it out on everybody else. Well, so he was like there him. during the video shoot. And he said he told her that he would not let Janet sit on the trapeze she is seen being lowered onto the stage, like she's lowered onto the stage, mm-hmm. unless there was a $1 million liability insurance coverage. And she told the record company, uh, the producer told the record company, and they responded, don't tell him anything, but don't tell him no, because we don't say no to Joe Jackson. <laughs> This evasiveness did not work, and he became even angrier and threatened her with violence. Finally, Lambert told A&M she and Oreg would quit the video unless they told Joe Jackson his daughter was insured. Mm. And the situation got worse later. A&M told Lambert they wanted more white people visible in the audience. There were a few scattered throughout, and under the guise of simple repositioning, she began having them sit further forward. Eventually, the crowd as a whole figured out what was going on and grew angry. Lambert told the record company representative that she absolutely could not go on due to the potential for violence. And he went out and slanged things to the crowd, which calmed down enough to complete the video. Look, they're saying there's not enough white people, okay? So we have to move them around. So it looks like there's at least a few more white people here. And how does that calm them down? Yeah, I think that would make them angrier. Yeah. We ain't good enough. (laughs) (laughs) This is a weird, this is a very interesting video um, shoot. And it's supposed to be the standard concert video. (laughs) Joe Jackson, man. Joe Jackson. Yeah. That sounds like something he would do. Take it out on everybody. Michael! Marlon! Go get these towels! (laughs) Joseph, go to bed. Who's there having a fool? Just imagine Brother Bobby and they're like, Joseph, leave them alone. <laughs> uh, this was also included on the episode of Glee. Yeah. On Glee, uh, they loved Michael and Janet. Yeah. There's a lot of their songs on that show. You've seen, the, you've seen the whole series, right? I did not watch the last season. Okay. Because I was... Just like, done. 
yeah, I was kind of they went five years in the future to try to introduce new characters. Like, okay, this is there, y'all. You, you this song, this show is done. Jump the shark. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so that was the control video shoot. As simple as the video was supposed to be, uh, <laughs> it could have been a disaster. No one tells Joe Jackson no. <laughs> uh, that song peaked at number five on the Hot 100. Um, said Let's Wait a While was number two. Uh, what Have You Done For Me Lately was number four. Uh, Nasty was number three. So she just couldn't quite get that number one. When I Think of You, that was number one. When I Think of You was number one. Uh, like I said, this was the, I think, yeah, this was the one that had like a lot of scene changes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's like somebody being chased around and then there's a, they're in somebody's apartment. Then they're in a, they're in an alley. They're in a diner. Like it was a lot of things happening. Um, Love that drum beat. <laughs> Uh, the same, they had the same director for uh, All Right, which was later, which was on, um, was that I think that was on day? Janet. Jan- okay. That was on Janet, I think. Let me check. I think, no, that was on Rhythm Nation. Oh, Rhythm yeah. okay. Um, and, The style, the style of the video was supposed to be one long take, but mm-hmm. they said it's actually five s- smaller takes, and it's supposed to be hard to find the edits. Mm. <laughs> uh, this also included two of her nephews, TJ and Terrell. Those are Tito's sons. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Is that 3T from 3T? Yeah. Okay. And, of course, choreographed by Paul Abdul. Mm-hmm. Um... So yeah, is it is it you think that it's weird that this was the single that's number one compared to the others? Or do you or do you think that it's it's deserving? Like it's it's a pretty strong song. It is a strong song. Um it might have it's in my opinion, maybe cause it was released uh, So this was the third single. So of yeah. course, what have you done for me lately, nasty builds up momentum. When I think of you, it's definitely the more accessible song. So more than likely, that's why you know it's a little bit more pop. It's got a little bit of funk to it, you know, especially in that bass line. But like it's, it's just very you know you could hear this on whatever the equivalent of Star ninety four was back then. Yeah, this would definitely play on that. What I also think that this sounds like, this sounds like something. Well, except for the vocal part, mm-hmm. this sounds like something Madonna might have done. Yeah. And then, of course, it's got, you know, a very, I don't know what you'd call a catchy video, but it looks like, you know, it almost starts out like it's like um, the Greases and the Socials or something. Like, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's kind of. Well, there were a lot of videos in the 80s that got something from Grease. Yeah. Or, or The West Outsiders. Side Story. Or, or West yeah. Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it just, it, this is the most accessible. And, like. Once again, this is a song, a video that, not a video, but a song I would not have thought was on control just because it sounds like her in the 80s. Yeah. So, like, listening to it, I was like, oh, yeah, this was on control. Okay, this is on control. All right, yeah. 
but it's a good song and I think it's just it's just it's just an accessible song everyone can relate to this song all right um so we're not gonna play all the songs <laughs> uh you can go find control somewhere <laughs> um so as far as the esta- establishing the relationship with um establishing the relationship with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis and it being this musical marriage that has lasted over 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think is like the, the lasting legacy of this particular album? Because this was the, this was the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of laid down a blueprint, if you will, for the, um, for the female pop star that wants to feel empowered, if you will. So um, granted, this was not her second album, but if you look at certain female pop stars that kind of took control. So I think of, you know, Christina Aguilera's debut and then her second album, which is Dirty. You know, that's almost, you know, a page out of the Janet Jackson playbook. You know, the first album is what they wanted me to do. This album is what I want to do. Well, that can also backfire if you look at Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, my <laughs> December. <laughs> that kind of backfired, you know, and that's when she went back to doing what they want her to do. <laughs> so I think it kind of, well, of course, you have to do it right, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she did it right here. And so it kind of laid down, you know, like, so even going into um, Britney Spears and looking at her subsequent albums, I'm a slave for you. You know, that was, I think that was the third album. Um, unless I'm getting mixed up, but it was her, the album yeah, that was liberating her. That might've been the third one. Cause she wasn't, because of the first two she was working with, it was Max Martin, right? Yeah. It was all And then, the, and then I'm a slave for you is Neptunes. <laughs> yeah. So it's on Britney, which is her third album. The first being baby one more time. Oops. I did it again. And then Britney, Jesus, that was 2001. She did all of this in the span of just a couple Two of years. years. Jeez, man. Brittany was out there getting it. <laughs> so I'm a slave for you, overprotected. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Um, two of those tracks, of well, overprotected, I think, was Dark Child, actually. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, didn't say who produced it. Max Martin. Oh, okay. But Dark so Child he was still, he was still a, Yeah. Yeah, he but was still he, around. But he helped her kind of, you know, because I know he wrote I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Um that was But her. that was a that was an established relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um over time. And and probably with some and and you know, we're talking about something in, in nineteen ninety nine to where yeah, things have to come out faster. Yeah. You're not gonna have two, three years, even though control was over the course of a year, I think, mm-hmm. or uh, actually, it was recorded over the course of three months. Yeah. But the next album, like the 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 this the the singles were released over the course of um twenty months. So over so over a year and a half. Yeah. Like funny how time flies was November nineteen eighty seven. The album came out February. 1986 yeah <laughs> that wasn't really the th- a thing back or yeah. as time goes on 
Um, so I, 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 I think if anything, and I mean, and it, you know, whether it is conscious or unconscious, it kind of set the blueprint. I could go on looking at um, um, after um, Rihanna, you know, with her first couple of albums and then oh, coming like out music with, of the sun. And mm-hmm. then the next one is good girl going bad. Yeah. This is who I am. You know, next thing you know, she's got, I, you know, I go hard with, she's with young Jeezy, yeah. you know, it's, it's the it's established, you know, it's that blueprint, you know, and I don't think we really had that back then. So. So, yeah, um, this was, um, you know, in the, the years before um, Independent Women Part mm-hmm. One by Destiny's Child. <laughs> there was control. <laughs> oh, God. Um, is that something you think backfired once like Beyonce went solo and fired her dad as her manager? I mean, people, she's got a built in fan base. They'll buy anything she does. So, cause her, I guarantee you her fan base will say she did it better than, um, Janet Jackson. Well, they already, they already call her the king of R and B. Yeah. Like I, I had this discussion as a matter of fact, um, just a few years ago with some people where we were comparing the careers of Janet Jackson and Beyonce and who had a better who had a better run and the three Beyonce fans in there, of course said Beyonce without a shadow of a doubt. And me, Beyonce is big, but like, I don't know. I just, the quality of work that Janet has put out versus the quality of work that Beyonce has put out. None of Beyonce's albums have ever been coherent until she made. And at that point she had not made lemonade yet. I think lemonade is the first actual album that she put out that stood for something. And not saying they don't have to stand for something, but like it said something. Control said, you know, spoke about independence. Lemonade spoke about independence. It spoke about um, being black, uh, being a black female, being cheated on by your husband. Like it actually had. There was a, there was a, a narrative. Yeah. There was a story. None of her albums before that had that. It was just a collection of songs. It might as well have been like a greatest hits or something. <laughs> so I think that's where, but you know, Janet did that, you know, earlier in her career than Beyonce did it. And and whether that was because, you know, she fired her her father sooner than Beyonce <laughs> fired hers, you know, because, I mean, you could argue that Beyonce is essentially copying the career of a Janet Jackson. Hence why I think it kind of set the blueprint, you know, make your album and, and talk about who you are and what you want to be. That's what she did. And then it informed her career for the rest of her career. Now that's one thing I think we've kind of yet to see like with some of those artists, like we got dirty from Christina Aguilera, but that did not inform the rest of her career because what was she doing just a couple of albums later? You know, the candy man, she was back to doing the type of pop that you would have heard on the first album. Well, I think, well, I know this is another uh, bit of a tangent. I think that album, the back to basics, that was by choice. Like she wanted to do some, use like some swing music mm-hmm. and jazz more into current pop music. Fair enough, fair enough. It was ambitious. <laughs> and I don't know if 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 people like really appreciated that, I but it was that was more an ambitious project on her part. Yeah. Hey, just trying something out. Like yeah. I'm not you know, a lot of people would compare Britney and Christina even though Christina has the Clearly, the better voice. God, not, even, not even close. 
Britney got the Britney has the sales. Yeah. Britney had the sales in the show. Yeah. Britney could put on a better show from a visual standpoint. Um, so the same thing. So another parallel here, like Jimmy said, um, Janet has the voice. Whitney Houston is a voice that you just listen to. Janet's a person that you sing along to. So when you go to a Christian Aguilera show, you expect the vocals to be flawless. You're not there to see a bunch of pyrotechnics and dancing. When you go to a Britney Spears concert, you resign to the fact that she's likely lip syncing. And you're okay with that because Britney Spears, is you're not there to hear her sing. She's going to she's gonna dance. She's yeah. going to have like 20 background dancers. Yes. Uh, costume changes. Mm-hmm. She's got the fireworks. one song that she slows it down and maybe brings out a stool <laughs> that she sits on and sings. Then after that, the stool's gone and stronger. <laughs> <laughs> I felt you just described her Vegas show <laughs> in five seconds. Wouldn't be surprised, but that's what you would get from, you know, that's what you would get from a Britney Spears if we were to compare the two. Um, that's what you would get from a Janet Jackson. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. We're always going to need. Everyone has their own. I mean, we're always going to need pop stars like that. Yeah. We're always going to need pop stars like that. All right. So uh, that will do it for our conversation on Janet Jackson's breakthrough album, Control, from the year of our Lord, 1986. <laughs> throw that in there Uh, so we'll get to my earworm of the week Um, now for those those of you may be familiar with a band called Mr. Mr. who had two hit songs in the 80s um, Kyrie which is spelled Kyrie but it's pronounced Kyrie and um, Broken Wings uh, but the lead singer, I believe his name is Richard Page, mm-hmm. had a band before that called Pages. Um, I had to look up if he was related to Martin Page, but no. That would be it. awesome if they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was on my Discover Weekly um, probably a few weeks ago. And I looked up the band because I was like, I'd never heard of this. <laughs> um but it's that late 70s, early 80s California uh, yacht rock sound. So mm-hmm. if you like Steely Dan and Christopher Cross and Toto and Ambrosia. Oh, yeah. You'll love this. <laughs> I think you'll like this. Now, this song is called You Need a Hero. I played The song I played for Ben earlier was called Let It Go because I heard it sampled in a video on Instagram. But this song is called You Need a Hero. Um which may come off as sexist today (laughs) because of the lyrics, but uh, I think it still sounds pretty good. So this is you need a hero by pages from their album pages. And we'll be right back.
pages from their album pages it was actually their last album before they broke up <laughs> i uh keep waiting for um background vocals from michael mcdonald <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 one of those songs this is totally a song he could yeah. sing background vocals on and they would sound so smooth <laughs> oh, it would sound so smooth <laughs> oh man oh god uh, you know, I'm gonna look. Did they? Oh, they don't have a page for pages. Um, but yeah, this the album failed to chart, and and then it was just two people left. <laughs> they just then they released the album, and then they broke up. Um, I feel like bass is gonna be my next instrument because I am so obsessed with bass players, and this but guy is good. You know who played drums? Who? Jeff Picaro. Of course he played drums. <laughs> Jeff Picaro. Yeah, Jerry, this some guy named Jerry Manfredi. Oh God, that was but I mean like hearing that hearing that that drum beat, that makes sense. I mean, he was Oh wait, so no, on that album, which was the, this was the self-titled Pages? This was the second one that was called They had a one they had two albums both called Pages, but this was the second one. Was this the 1981 one? Yeah. Okay, so I saw Tom named. Scott Neil Jay Graydon, Al Jarreau. Okay, yeah, and I see here Steve uh, Jeff Picard. Yeah, that that kind of sounds like one of his signature shuffles. But they um, had, okay. they had this. That dude's on. Man, <laughs> man Jeff Picard couldn't save them. <laughs> couldn't save the band. Oh God, um, he said, "Abby down, this is insanity." <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll let you guys know right now. Uh, the next episode will be about the Fire Festival documentary that is on Netflix. Watch so it. <laughs> watch it, and you can definitely follow along with this. Um, so hopefully, within the next week, uh, we'll be doing an episode. That's going to be the very next episode. <laughs> the very it, next one. This is insanity. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I, I went back and listened when I when you sent me you sent me the picture. Or did I send it to you? I, th- I think I sent it to you. I saw it on Reddit. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as I, as soon as you sent it to me, I went back and listened to that to when we first talked about it. Yeah. Which was this was April 2017. Jeez. And like I know there is more to because we talked about the article with the talent producer, mm-hmm. and I know there is more to it. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's more than what happened there. It was more than sharks and <laughs> swimming pigs and this and, and gravel, gravel. Yeah. <laughs> and the sandwich of a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so I know there's more that happened, and I hope there's stuff like with the 
with the artists who were booked and how they backed out or yeah. what some people had to deal with. And and I feel like Ja Rule is is implicated in a lot more than than what's in the courts. Yeah. I feel like he did more wrong <laughs> than what's led on. So, yeah, I, I will be watching that. We will definitely be talking about that. That will be the very next episode. We have to talk about that. Yes. Uh, I feel like this is the documentary we've been waiting for. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so that will bring us to the end of this particular episode. Uh, so, Ben, um, can you tell the people where we can be found? I think I still can do it. It's, All it's, right. It's been a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash by the time you hear this. Um we are also um, at by the time you hear this dot com website. Um, you can find us on IG, aka the gram, at by the time you hear this. Um, and you can also email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. So the website, as well as the Facebook page, is spelled with the word you when you're looking it up, as in Y O U. Um, our IG, or aka the gram, and I'm just going to say Instagram because I feel like someone might not get that. Um, Instagram and our um, email address at um, gmail.com is spelled with the letter U, and that is because... We're urban. Yeah. And we also... Do you like McDonald's? It's okay. Okay. I, I ate it for the first time in a couple of years yesterday. Mm. Kind of out of spite. <laughs> Just to see if if it was as good as I remembered, and it was. But <laughs> I did someone uh, here... I, I, I saw someone um, tweet out that, well, whoever wins the Super Bowl is going to be invited to uh, some Little Caesars Hot and Ready's oh, man. <laughs> at the White House. <laughs> so, like, and not even to go off on a tangent here, um, I went to Buddy's Pizza up in Detroit, Michigan. So Detroit, Michigan is the home of Little Caesars. Yes. The original Little Caesars, they make, aside from the $5 Hot and Ready's, they make Detroit-style deep dish. Um, and I know Kendra disagrees with me, so if she hears this, she's probably going to be like, ugh. But we went to Buddy's, which is supposed to be the originator of Detroit-style deep-dish pizza and had some deep-dish pizza from there. Now, the, the Detroit deep-dish is... It's rectangle. It's, it's rectangle. Yeah. It's a rectangle deep-dish. And is there, like, not a lot of sauce or no sauce? There's sauce on there, but not a lot. I mean, not, it's... Probably not. I know like with Chicago... With Chicago deep-dish, sauce. the sauce is on the top. Yeah, it's so much sauce. which And I don't like Chicago-style deep-dish, so, you know, fight me. Um, I still liked Little Caesars take on, especially from Detroit, because I had some Little Caesars in Detroit. It was better than Buddy's. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, Little Caesars got it right, man. I know like everybody <laughs> has their own like different style with pizza. Because I saw there's this Instagram comedian I follow. Um, he goes by Be Easy. Mm. And he was talking about something with pizza, how everyone has their own style with pizza. And apparently with Detroit deep dish, you're supposed to also like dip it in butter, like regular butter. I could see that because it's like, especially the edges are like really crispy. Yeah. Like they they basically caramelize the crust because there's not really crust. It's just on the outsides. Um, and it's just, it's so good. It's my favorite. And, you know, luckily I got to go to Buddy's, which is on Six Mile Road. Hmm. Um, apparently not a good neighborhood. When the Uber driver was taking us there, he was like, uh... <laughs> This ain't really a good area. Why are you guys going here? And we told him why. He goes, oh, okay. If you stay at Buddy's, you'll be safe. I was like. Nobody will mess with Buddy's. I was like, good Lord. The um, parking lot attendant sat behind like a 
cage. <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah, it was the real part of town, but I digress. But yeah, um, yeah. So if I won the Super Bowl and got to go to the White House and eat Little Caesars deep dish pizza, um, I would win a Super Bowl too. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't know if they're going to need the deep dish. They're going to get whatever Little Caesars has in Washington D.C. Then I would be disappointed. It'll be the hot and ready's. At least make there'll it a, be only be one pepperoni. It'll be like twelve cheese. At least make it a three meat treat, man. Come on. <laughs> Give what, me some I, bacon. I just what I said. Like I think that the president uh, didn't forgot that Clemson was coming. Like he saw the bus <laughs> pulling up. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> we gotta get some food. <laughs> Call up McDonald's. Call McDonald's. Call up Burger King. Call up Domino's. <laughs> call up Wendy's. What uh, are they going to eat? Uh, uh, let's have them eat something American. Yeah. Uh, call me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need two hundred quarter pounders <laughs> with cheese. Of course, with cheese. <laughs> American cheese. <laughs> None of that Swiss stuff. All right. Where was I? Yes. Okay. So thus, that's how you can find us online. If you want to find us on. Um, a podcast app to listen to. Of course, we're on the popular ones. You know, if you have that Apple um, iPhone, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. If you've got an Android, you can find us on Google Music. Um, you can also find us on um, Castbox, Overcast, um, TuneIn Radio, um, Auto Radio, um, Listen Notes because we make good notes, um, and Satchel Podcast Player, which of course is a podcast app that lets you find podcasts. Produced in your area, which I think is such a cool little feature there. Um, and if you make podcasts, I imagine is a good way to network. Yes. So um, find us on, you know, and of course, you know, the obligatory on any other podcast aggregate um, application or website. Um, and, you know, I know it's, you know, it doesn't sound like much, but hey, if you could leave us a review. Um it seems simple, but it, it is a big deal, you know, to have a review. So um, I almost feel like I want to do a giveaway for the first person that leaves us a review. Just like, you know, we'll send you a, I don't know, we'll figure something out. Might send you a shirt. Yeah. But, you know, leave us a review. Um, leave us a five-star review, anything less, and we're going to assume that you're a hater. Yes. Yeah. That's that's uh, that's a safe assumption. From the <clears throat> By the time you hear that podcast, those losers over there. <laughs> 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 get a better name um and you know as usual thank you for listening um yeah. we really appreciate it hopefully you, you enjoyed it and you learned something about uh miss jackson that you didn't know yeah uh so we're going to end the show uh because it's been such a pleasure doing this podcast we're going to end the show with the pleasure principle <laughs> no you didn't <laughs> i like that i do a, a cheesy segue yes so we're going to end the show with that Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.